Hello, this is Roy Mitchell, and this is Hibla Minute, Season 2. And Happy Nunavut Day. To start Season 2, I'm talking to Jason Roshan from Iqaluit, all about his life in Nunavut. Not many people I know can say they were chased by a polar bear. And right after my interview with Jason, there's music by fellow Hiblibian Dave Walker. And I'll bet you're beside yourself to find out who won the Hibla Minute coffee mug. And Ken Fraser, another Hiblibian, will be around at the end of the podcast to draw the name of that lucky winner. And my guest, Jason Roshan, is from the Ottawa Valley on the Quebec side of the Ottawa River from a town called Waltham, Quebec, about 20 minutes from Pembroke, Ontario, not far from Hibla. What was supposed to be a year for him in Iqaluit working in a restaurant turned into him living there for almost two decades. He's no slouch, engaged, committed to his community, and a lot of fun. He's currently in his 15th year with the government as a student support worker at Jomi Elementary School in Iqaluit. And last fall, his four-year term as city councillor ended. And he'll tell us why he didn't go for mayor after that. So during this heat wave we're experiencing in Hibla and area, sit back and feel the cool winds off the Arctic Ocean. And no matter how hot it gets here, remember, there's snow in Nunavut. Jason, welcome to Hibla Minute. I'm so glad you could make it all the way from Nunavut. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. And how are you doing in terms of COVID-19 and the pandemic? Has that changed your life up there in any way? Yeah, so my it ended up uh, being uh, my last day of work was uh, March 17th or March 16th and I uh, haven't been back to work yet. So uh, it's changed that way. So I've been working from home and I ended up securing a warehouse space to work from because I needed a warehouse. And I, I uh, ended up getting a team together and a team of about 20 people and volunteers and uh, ended up working out of a warehouse instead, creating basically my own job, my own job description. So what are you doing out of this warehouse? Well, actually, I just stopped last week because I just took a new job with Embrace Life. But I was running a breakfast program, citywide breakfast program, because uh, children really rely on breakfast programs and snack programs at schools. And they didn't have that because of uh, school closures because of COVID. So I was just trying to fill a gap. How many people were served in this breakfast program? So we ended up serving 19,303 children. Wow. And so is the program still continuing, even though you're not there? No, I had to stop because I only ran it until school would have officially been running anyways, if there wasn't COVID. I tried looking for more funding because I would have done it all summer as well, but I didn't get any funding. So actually, I just applied for funding today. And if I hear back, I'd like to start before uh, August. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, if I can get some funding and I'll start serving breakfast again outside, just downtown in the middle of the city. Good luck. I hope you're successful in that. Thank you. What led me to you was Nunavut Days. And what happens during Nunavut Day? It's a holiday here in uh, our territory. We're the newest territory in Canada. We're 21 years old. I live in the capital city of Nunavut in the Calgary. We close the downtown. We shut the streets down and we have a party in the middle of the street. We do a fundraiser because Habitat for Humanity builds a house every year for a family. And they have a big fundraiser and there's music and all kinds of different things like that. Well, if I were to visit Nunavut, you know, and I wanted to see something, where would you take me? So if you flew into Kelly, there's no roads in Nunavut. So we have like, I think, five kilometers of roads in total. So we can't drive anywhere unless you boat it to another community. 
or in the winter, if the ocean is froze, you can skidoo to uh, a community that's not that far. It's a small community of about 800 people in Kimberley. I'd only be able to take you here in town because we wouldn't be able to drive to another town. I'd probably take you to uh, our visitor center, the museum. We have a really nice museum here. And if I'm in the center of Iqaluit, what's in the center of Iqaluit? So in the center of Iqaluit, right downtown, we have a big store. It's kind of like your version down south in Ontario and Quebec of Walmart, but we call it here Northmart. And it has pharmacy, a lotto booth, grocery store, meat department. And then right across the street from that, there's a school and a huge parking lot. And sometimes you'll see food trucks out there in the summer. There's a post office downtown and a bunch of buildings, apartment buildings. So it sounds like it's a busy place, this center of Iqaluit. Yeah, that's where our banks are as well. We have three banks. I live in northern Ontario and we complain about the cold here. But what about there? How cold is it now and how cold does it get? So right now I'm just checking my weather app on my phone. I think it's about six degrees today. It's 13 degrees, but it definitely doesn't feel like 13, but it doesn't cool down at night very much because we're in a 24 hour daylight at the moment. So it's almost like a hot house. So 13 degrees is kind of normal for summer. And uh, I see that in Northern Ontario and near uh, the Ottawa Valley where you're from, there's a lot of heat warnings. We, don't, we would never get a heat wave warning ever, I don't think because the hottest it usually gets is maybe 20 something. And uh, there's no humidity here, which is nice. So even if it does get a little bit warm, it's all right. In the winter, in the 24 hour darkness, it can be in the minus 60s. And usually you'll, we'll have a spell where it'll snap after a couple of weeks and it'll warm up to like minus 50 or minus 40. But usually in January and February, it's like minus 40, minus 50. And then with the wind, if the wind's coming off the ocean and it's 120 kilometers, it can get very dangerous really fast. So you shouldn't be outside with exposed skin at all. You can freeze in seconds. What's it like living in a place that has no nighttime? It's so it gets a little bit dark, not completely dark. Our two hours of darkness would be like dawn almost. So uh, you could still see and it gets very difficult because children don't know to go in because there's no clocks outside when they're playing and they could be playing at two or three in the morning. And if you're trying to sleep, if you have to work the next day, it's really hard. People just play outside and I know sometimes I'll go fishing and I just get lost in the time. The next thing you know, I'll look at the clock and I've been fishing for like 12 hours or 13 hours. And I thought it would only be seven or eight. So it's really, really confusing sometimes. And you never get used to it. Another thing about Iqaluit is housing is an issue there. And could you tell me about the housing situation at Iqaluit? Yeah, we have a housing shortage and it's really unfortunate. We have families of... Uh, 12, 15 living in a one or two bedroom apartment at times. That's really unfortunate, especially with COVID because if COVID ever hit, it'd be very hard for families to self-isolate because of the housing shortage. A one bedroom apartment would be about $2,600, $2,700. Or you could rent a room in somebody's house for up to 2000 3000 Just this week, I know there was a little bit of an outcry here on social media because there was a half a house for rent and it was 4500 a month and uh, you needed first and last month. So it was $9,000 down just to to rent it and people just don't have that kind of money. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a lot of money for a half a house. One thing about Iqaluit is your new MP, who's only 25, but that's that's not surprising apparently because there's so many young people in Nunavut. Could you tell me a little bit about your MP? Oh yeah, so I worked with my MP since the day she decided to run and uh, we pretty much spent like 55 days together and or the odd time I'd be dropping her off or picking her up at the airport if she was out campaigning. She had to fly to another community to campaign. But she's been a breath of fresh air and she's been the change that we really needed. And in my 17 years living here in the North, we've never had representation like her. She really holds ministers 
and senators, she'll walk in the room and she'll hold people accountable and she doesn't uh, give up and she's relentless and she's really passionate and I really appreciate how hard she works. And as a matter of fact, we have a meeting tonight at seven. Her name's Mumala Kaka and she's 26 now. And she was 25 when she was elected, but she's 26 now. I follow her on Instagram and it's amazing to watch her just take on these ministers and, and actually demand answers. I, I think you're really well represented by her. Yeah, I've never seen representation like that here since I've since I've been here in my 18 years. It's really, uh, or 17 years, it's really refreshing. And I noticed when she's in Parliament, Justin Trudeau has mentioned the word none of it way more often than he ever has. And I think that's because she's on the hill. I also noticed that there was a Black Lives Matter support solidarity rally in Igalowit. How did that go? It was really well attended. I was there and a couple of my friends and we made signs and we brought some food and we just left it in the downtown and on the back of a truck so people could kind of grab a granola bar and a juice box. And we made signs a couple of nights before and my friend made some tattoos. And when I was doing my breakfast program the week before the rally, I was handing out stickers for people to wear that week as well. It just said no justice, no peace. So we handed out stickers and people made signs and uh, we had some really nice, uh, really nice turnout. There was about over 300 people, I'd say. Wow. And what's the population of the Callaway? We're about 9,000 people. That's amazing. And also another really positive thing, I'm really excited about Iqaluit. Your council voted overwhelmingly to support Pride there and raise the rainbow flag. Was that an easy thing to happen? Yes. So it was unanimous this time and the conversation. So I actually ran for city council about four years ago. My term, my four-year term just ended this fall and I was going to run actually for mayor. And uh, I decided to work on uh, Mumula Kakak's campaign and it was just too much to do two campaigns. My focus was getting her elected. And helping her as best as I could. I decided to run for council because uh, there was no openly gay elected officials in Nunavut to my knowledge. It was right before the Russian Olympics and somebody wanted the flag raised here. There was a discussion and it wasn't really healthy and it was really unfortunate and even like when I was in school and I was talking to the kids at class and they were just saying how wrong it was and their concerns and I was already thinking about running anyways and I was having a conversation with my campaign team on if that was the route I wanted to take and I decided to uh, to run instead of just complaining about how city councillors were acting at the time. I felt there was a lot of childish behaviors, especially over the flag, and there were some people who were making some awful statements, and they seemed to have a large voice and a bigger platform, and I was just concerned because I don't want anybody to feel ostracized, especially from the LGBTQ community, plus community, because the suicide rate here is already high enough, and we don't need people feeling bad or made to feel bad. So I decided to run, and even like every year, I would make motions to raise the flag. When the Pulse nightclub, when the shooting happened in Orlando, people of LGBTQ plus community reached out to me and just talked about safety and they had concerns. So I addressed that in a member statement. And I went on the radio and I talked about that a little bit. Every time I'd have a discussion to raise the pride flag in June, the discussion over my four-year term got easier and easier. And I think the last two discussions, it was unanimous. There wasn't even a discussion. Everybody was kind of game for it. So that was really nice because from when uh, Canada was going to the Olympics in Russia only four and a half years ago or five years ago, maybe. It's really changed in none of it since then. Amazing. Last year, I made a motion to uh, raise the transgender flag, and that was the first time ever that it was raised. So I was really happy about that, too. Amazing, amazing work. That's very inspiring. People like you are doing great work. You give me hope, man. You give me hope. I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. What is the gay community like in Nunavut? Like, should I move there? <laughs> it's a very welcoming territory to begin with. Everybody here is welcoming. It's part of the culture. Acceptance and working together, collaboration, respect. 
So it's really nice. I feel like maybe in the smaller communities, it could be a little bit hard, but here in the capital city, there's a lot of resources and there's more of a community sense. We do have a pride group here in Calgary and on Facebook, and I think there's about 506 people members or 502 members. It's just a little bit over 500. It's not very active, but it's active enough that people can kind of like keep in touch and stuff. So it's really nice. And we had a pride event here about four years ago where we had a big pride party in June, and that was really nice. And it was so well attended. Activists have tried to uh, do things like that every now and then, but I guess right now it's really hard with COVID-19. Right. So it sounds like I could move there and be very welcome. Yeah, we have um, a high school here that does amazing work. There's a, there, a teacher there. Her name's Tess, and she has a positive space club. And she had they started a pride prom at the high school maybe about four years ago. Everything, And that was really nice. And a lot of students, pretty much all the students attended. I know we've had transgender children in our community. Even before they enroll in school, school teams have been meeting and talking about the changes that need to be happening. And how to be accepting and to even learn how to be an ally. And we're very proactive here. The schools have been proactive. Our schools are very gay friendly. And I also heard about you putting stickers into the kids' lunch bags, rainbow stickers. Tell me about that. I'm on the Nunavut Area Council, so I work with a lot of committees, Pride Committee when there is one, other committees, and Health and Safety Committees, and I'm the co-chair, so they can report to us. And I'm just always trying to be aware, and I'm always trying to do things when schools open to make sure that we. Uh, celebrate every day and every uh, opportunity for diversity. While I was running the breakfast program on Wednesdays in the month of May, I did a Moosehide campaign where it was men taking a pledge and holding each other accountable to treat women in a better way. I was doing that on Nunavut Day. We had a booth and we were getting people to sign up and take the pledge. The Pride stickers, we started making those, I think during Pride Month, and we were putting those in the breakfast bags. What else did we do? We celebrated Indigenous Day on June 25th. So we always try to celebrate all the holidays. Inclusion, every child needs to feel important and like they matter. And how many languages do you speak? So I speak English and French, although I'm losing a lot of French. I understand a little bit of Inuktitut and I try my best and I speak a little. And I understand a little bit of Japanese and I speak a little bit of Japanese. And Inuktitut, is that an easy language to learn? The first time I took the course at the college, the teacher was really, well, I mean, all the teachers that I've uh, learned Inuktitut from have been great. Friends have helped me and we do Inuktitut words of the day and different things at school. We're always trying to learn. But uh, the first time I felt it was easier, and I don't know if it was just because I was so fresh and new, I was just trying to soak it all in. So then the second year, I went back to take another course in the winter, and it was somebody from a different part of Nunavut. And even though it was the same college, the same place where I was taking it, it was a totally different dialect, and I just got a little bit too confused and frustrated. It just became uh, really difficult, and I ended up getting more confused, and it was too bad because I was really starting to use it a lot in my workplace with uh, my coworkers at the time, and then uh, I lost my confidence when I learned a totally different dialect. So that could, that's frustrating. How integrated is Igaluit as a city? Yeah, we're pretty integrated. We're, uh, we're very multicultural. I remember when I moved here, there was... Uh, some white people in Inuit, and there was very few racially uh, visible people. And then the black community really started to grow, and the Filipino group really started to grow. And we have a huge uh, Francophone Center association here. We have an active Filipino community. We have Black History Society, uh, Nunavut Society, that is very active in the last couple of years. And they were the ones that did the rally for the Black Lives Matter. When we had the rally for the Black Lives Matter, a lot of people from that community said, we can't wait to help you guys and and rally with you for one of your causes. And then just last week, we had a rally for um, mental health. 
there was a lot of people from the first the Black Lives Matter rally that came out and supported. So it's really nice that communities keep supporting each other for good causes and help each other advocate. It sounds like I could go to Nunavut. <laughs> Tell me about the landscape. So we have no trees. We have no We have very little grass. I'm looking out. All I see is sand out my window right now. And then I can see the ocean and the tide is in. So it's not, we don't see a lot of icebergs right now and ice caps. But when the tide goes back out, it's really cool. Uh, we still have a little bit of snow, even though it's July. But it hasn't snowed this month, which is really nice. Wow. Yeah, the landscape, there's a lot of rocks. It's like a desert, except for there's more snow than sand. And what was it like for you coming from Pembroke? So I was just trying to soak it all in. I grew up in the Ottawa Valley, right near the Ottawa River, and I have a house on the Black River. So when I go home, I go to my home in the mountains. And uh, I just find like uh, it's so peaceful and I love being around water. Where I am here in Hastings Highlands, seeing moose or bears or deer is like seeing a celebrity. That's all we have. We don't have stars. We have animals. And people get excited, especially when we see a moose. What about you? Have you seen any animals? Uh, yeah, so we have a lot of seals, different belugas and whales and things like that when you go out into the ocean we have caribou but right now there's a ban on caribou hunting because we're trying to make sure the populations have a chance to uh, uh, increase we have the odd polar bear in town so i was chased by a polar bear i took my kids on a picnic at the end of the school year about 13 years ago last day of school i think it was june 25th we were in the park and a polar bear ended up coming towards us and chasing us so that was cool and we don't get very many polar bears here in town but funny enough today there was an alleged sighting, so we don't know. I don't know if it's been confirmed. It was just later this afternoon. So there might be a polar bear in town tonight, actually. And that doesn't happen very often. So further up north, we have a lot of muskox. They kind of look like a buffalo, and the meat is very good. But uh, it's lean, and we have caribou, and we have walrus, arctic wolves, arctic foxes, hares. Our rabbits are very big here. We have narwhals. They almost kind of look like a beluga whale, but they have a great big tusk, kind of like a unicorn. Oh, my God. You are selling... Iqaluit so well, Jason. It sounds like a fascinating place. And also what I know about Iqaluit, it has a strong cultural community. And I hope to talk one day to some artists from there. What, what do you think is so inspiring to people in Nunavut, in Iqaluit? Oh, I just think people want to make sure that they're connected to their culture and that they don't lose it, and don't lose their language. We also have some great teachers and elders in our community, elders that work with kids, teach them about the Kudluk lighting and and uh, skinning. We have a great high school here. They have a great music program where the kids have opportunities to throat sing, drum dance, and sing Anuktutuk songs. And it's just uh, really nice to see uh, children living their culture through their music. Well, I'm so glad we connected. You're a gay guy living in Iqaluit. You were, ran for a politician. You're involved in Pride. You are a hero, man. I'm so glad you're there. Thanks. I'm so glad we could talk. If ever you want to talk again, Let's talk. Thank you. And uh, watch out for polar bears. <laughs> and would you like to say anything before we go, Jason? No, that's everything. Thank you. All right. Take care. Okay, cheers.
Thanks for this interview, Jason. You're doing some great work in Nunavut, and Hibla Minute sends everyone there a great big Happy Nunavut Day. And thank you, Dave Walker, for sharing your music. The song we played was titled Silence. I'm sure there's a lot of noise in Nunavut, but I bet there's an opportunity to enjoy the silence and the enormity of the land up there. Seems like a fitting song. And now for the draw for the Hibla Minute coffee mug. A draw to kick off season two. Ken is right here. But before Ken draws a lucky winner of the Hibla coffee mug, I want to thank everyone who made season one of Hibla Minute what it was. It was amazing. Thank you for the generosity of my guests, for their time, and the musicians who shared their music. Season two is shaping up, and I'm excited about what's ahead. And now for the draw. Ken, are you ready? I'm ready. Ken, unseal the sealed yogurt container containing the names of the contestants. I'm unsealing the container now. Pour the slips of paper with everyone who entered their names into the large stock pot. Pouring all of them in now. Mix the contents, Ken. Mixing them all up. Pick out one slip of paper without looking. I'm not looking and I'm picking out one piece of paper. I have it in my hand. Okay, read that name, Ken. Nancy Leela Ward, well, congratulations. We will contact you about your prize and figure out how to get it to you. Thank you to everyone who helped make the decision on the new Hibla look. I'm flattered and the chickens don't care that they lost. We'll see you next week. It's too hot and it's summer, so I'll only be doing one show a week. So until next week, this is Roy Mitchell and... Ken Fraser. And this has been Hibla, Hibla Minute. Minute.